Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am sitting down backstage at the Imperial in Vancouver with a member of the band Austra. I'd love you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm from Austra. Well, hi, Katie. How has your day been? It's been pretty good so far. So we're in Vancouver, and you've managed to take some time to have some sushi. So tell me about that. Well, we drove from Kamloops, and we left extra early, so we'd have time to have sushi before sound check. And I also scheduled press so that I can have sushi again after sound check. Wow! So what are you looking forward to after this conversation ends? Um, I don't know. I'm trying. To, I want to go check out this place I've never been before. That's supposed to be good. Something sushi by Yuji. Is that a place? That, that's a place. They have this one that with like a raw quail egg on it that I want to try. It's probably not like the best idea to do that before a show, but whatever. All right, I think that it's time to hear some music by your band. I'm going to choose the track "Utopia" off your third record, "Future Politics." I would love you to talk about this track as if you were talking to somebody who's never heard of Austria or the music before. <laughs> well, so this is a track called "Utopia." I, I guess it's kind of about living in Toronto and sort of watching Toronto change and you know growing up somewhere and then kind of feeling like a stranger in that place eventually because of you know what it's kind of turning into I don't think that's any different than what I would say to someone who's never heard Alistair before but that's okay let's hear the track <laughs> okay let's hear the track To the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track "Utopia" by a band called Austra from their third record, "Future Politics." I'm sitting here with Katie from the band, and we were talking 
I guess before you were talking about not feeling at home in your hometown because of change. How can someone take that feeling back? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of people are trying to find ways to take that feeling back. Like there's been a lot of closures of event spaces and like DIY spaces in Toronto recently. But one of my friends just opened up this new bar called Less Bar that just opened like last weekend. And, you know, she's taking care of all the bookings and they're just like really prioritizing women and people of color and queer people and trying to make like a super inclusive space. So even though it's getting harder and harder to have spaces like that, it's cool that people are still like trying really hard to kind of keep it alive. Awesome. Sounds great. So we're talking today about your new record. It's called Future Politics. The seeds of this record were planted when, after five years of constant touring for your first two records, that cycle of touring ended, the band went its separate ways, and you moved alone to Montreal. So, set the scene for people. Well, I moved to Montreal with my girlfriend, but she is a touring... Well, she was not my girlfriend anymore, but she was a touring sound engineer, so she was on tour a lot. So even though we moved there together, I was alone all the time, Um, and... After five years of touring, I, you know, I didn't really want to be around people or be anywhere busy, so I got an apartment pretty far out in Outremont, which meant that, like, I had to walk a good 20 minutes to get to, like, a neighborhood or to get to, like, a place where I would want to um, patronize. <laughs> or be social. Yeah, or be social. Um, and when it's, like, 40 degrees out, that's kind of, it's a bit much. It's, I'm sorry, minus 40, when it's minus 40 degrees out in the wintertime. Now... This podcast is based in Vancouver. Not everyone's been to Montreal and understands the weather. <laughs> the weather is really something. And it's just, you know, it's like at least four or five months of extreme cold and darkness. And that can really take its toll on your mental health. I mean, extreme cold is like you literally can't be outside for longer than five minutes because you start to not feel your body parts. Um, and it's like becomes kind of a health hazard to be outside because your face can freeze like your eyeballs you can feel your eyeballs freezing (laughs) that is intense so you're in this interesting climate you're living far outside the city which is a city people typically move to to get social but you're by yourself let's go forward (laughs) yeah so i mean I, i definitely wrote a bunch of songs during that time but I just sort of came to this realization that I had no need to be in Montreal in that environment because I was just writing so I could really be anywhere. Um, so I decided to buy a one-way ticket to Mexico City and I repositioned myself there instead. That's a big change. Yeah, it was a big change in a lot of ways. I mean, Montreal in the winter versus Mexico in the winter is just like kind of polar opposites. Mexico City is just like, there's constantly stuff happening it's very colorful it's warm it's sunny it's humid it's just like different in every way possible so how does that big transition change the music well i mean it's kind of hard for me to say how it actually changed the music but i think a lot of stuff kind of a lot of factors sort of played into the record starting off as being very bleak and dark and kind of ending up a little bit more optimistic. I think, you know, like maybe moving somewhere sunny was part of that, definitely. So I played Utopia first because this track connects to one of the major themes of the record, the future. I'd love you to tell me more. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, the record's called Future Politics, and I'm more specifically talking about people's politics rather than like the government and like capital p politics um i'm more concerned 
with kind of changing the ways people think. And, you know, I got really into this idea of the future because, you know, reading about like all this bleak stuff about the world we live in right now, you know, like the environmental apocalypse and whatever. I mean, it's way worse now than it was when I was actually writing the record. But I got really into reading people's like predictions of the future and people's writings of what the future could look like, what's possible. And, you know, I just kind of realized that there are endless options and endless possibilities of what the future could look like and it's much more malleable than we think and so I but I think in order to get there the most important thing is to kind of conceptualize and talk about what those futures could look like and to just kind of inspire people to actually like think about what their ideal world would look like and then you know I think that once people sort of start to feel confident that there are more possibilities than are currently lying on the table, then I think that it, it would, it's easier to get there. I completely agree. I think it's time to hear some more music. I'd love you to pick a track off your newest record, Future Politics, for us to hear. <laughs> okay. Um, then in that case, I'll choose Gaia. And so why have you chosen this track? Um, this one's probably my favorite track on the record. It's kind of like the most classic songwriting track, I guess. It was one of those ones that's kind of like written in a day and... It's about the environment, and yeah, I like it. <laughs> the physical world is the only world. If you care the ground you walk on, nobody will take you anywhere. The physical world is the only world. If you care
Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track. Gaia. Off the record, Future Politics by a band called Austra. I'm sitting backstage at the Imperial with Katie from the band. We were talking before a little bit about the future and dystopias. And I do agree. Well, I don't know if you were necessarily saying this, but I do think that lately popular culture has sort of fallen in love with the dystopia. You've been inspired by other works that are talking about utopias. Yeah, definitely. I got really into the concept of utopias and whether or not it be from like economists who were, you know, trying to carve out new pathways for us to get to a better way of living or just straight up sci-fi. Like I got really into people's imaginations, like writers' imaginations and the idea, like the power of the imagination in general. And I mean, even Star Trek, for example, I think is a great example for like a potential utopian society. And I was kind of obsessed with watching Star Trek TNG while I was writing the record. If you could be any sci-fi hero, who would you be? Um... Well, I don't know if it's, like, a hero, but I'm, I guess it would be a hero for me. I think it would be pretty cool to be um, Deanna Troy on Star Trek. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, first of all, for people who don't know who that is, describe that character in a sentence. Well, she's part telepathic. She's, um, so she has, like, she can more sense people's feelings and emotions more than she can actually, like, tell what they're thinking. Um and she's just, like, a, a pretty, you know, like, chill woman. I think it would be pretty fun <laughs> to, to be her. And what I love about your choice, in that version of the future, there's a mental health worker that is on the bridge helping these people manage the situations they're in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that she, you know, she doesn't see what people are thinking, but she sees what people are feeling means that whenever you're in an argument, she's like, okay, well, this person is reacting like this, but underneath they're feeling like this. And that's like how they approach every single situation. You know, if like we did a little bit more of that in our world, I think it could be very beneficial. I completely agree. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the songwriting on this record. So I'm going to play a track in the background while we talk. So how about you pick one for me? Well, if it's going to be a background track, then I think I would choose um, maybe 43. like that choice because it is such an amazing story behind it but i want to talk about songwriting so talk about songwriting maybe a challenge you faced while writing this song the song is 43 well i guess yeah 43 kind of has like a whole other story attached to it but i mean one thing about songwriting i will say um is that when i wrote this record i actually had the intention originally of making background music i was like i feel like the records i've made in the past are kind of like very abrasive and in your face um in a lot of ways And that's just kind of been like my approach to singing and making music for a long time. And with this record, I just wanted everything to kind of like sink into the background. I wanted it to be like something you could just put on. Maybe you wouldn't notice it, but it would kind of color a room in a certain way. So I started writing a lot of music like that. And then I realized that I couldn't play any of it live and that it would probably make my career crash and burn. So I I started making like some more upbeat songs as well. Well, I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but how about we talk about the story behind the song, because it's an amazing story. Um, yeah, so the song 43 I wrote in Mexico, and it's about the 43 missing students. Um, you say that like everybody knows the story, but until I was doing research on your record, I'd never heard of the story. Okay, well, yeah. 
I mean, so a few years ago, there was um, basically 43 students were heading to a protest kind of in like the north region of Mexico. I like I'm totally blanking on the actual name of the region right now. But anyways, there was like a bus of students that literally just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like nobody has any idea what happened to them. And, you know, I think like the maybe like the mayor of the town that it happened in, I think, has been prosecuted. But there's some very, very obvious connections to the bigger government, to possibly drug cartels, to, um, you know, the um, just the police in general. And so there's just a lot of mistrust with authority in Mexico in general. And that was really pervasive when I was there. I'd go to this place for breakfast, this tamale place for breakfast, and he had 43 portraits of the 43 missing students on the wall and just asked the question, where are they? Everybody was kind of asking these questions. It kind of happened around the time that Black Lives Matter was receiving a lot of prominence in the U.S., like police brutality in the U.S., and they kind of tied together in this way where it's just a real distrust of authority. This record, I've really enjoyed doing the research for this one because every interview I've read, there's always interesting ideas happening in them. Yeah, the press for this tour has been pretty fun. To be honest, I kind of like had this is my third record and I've been like pressed for you know three records and I've always felt like I didn't really have like much to talk about with the other records because I would just like make a record and nobody really cares about like making a record it's all about sort of the narrative surrounding the record so it's cool that there's been a lot to talk about (laughs) in interviews with this record the production on this record it was done by all women so I'd love you to talk a bit about that yeah I mean I feel like with this record, it kind of started out, um, well, the whole thing was a very insular process. I think that because Olympia was kind of very, very collaborative, and I think that I kind of gave up a lot of control of that record, that I was really feeling the need to kind of like go back to my bedroom and like just work by myself on a laptop again. And that's really what most of it was. Um, and then I ended up mixing it with my live engineer, who was also my girlfriend at the time, Um, And it was sort of the two of us, she had never mixed a record before, and so it was really kind of like the two of us doing it together, going back and forth for almost a year, just like trying to figure out how to do it, Um, which was an insane process, and it's probably not one that I would do again, but I'm glad that I got to experience it. I've read in other interviews where you've talked about how important it is for all female productions, so I'd love you to tell me a bit about your feelings on that today. Yeah, I mean, there's like, everyone sort of talks about the lack of, you know, female producers or the lack of just women in music in general, but I think that there isn't as much discussion on about women behind the scenes. I think that women, you know, actually mixing records and mastering records, the disparity between men and women is way bigger in that field. And so it was kind of important for me to sort of talk about that and just sort of have people know. And also just to like make it public and introduce these women because I think, you know, it's it's a matter, it's a form of representation, you know, it's like when you see these women, then you, you start to like change the way people think of studio people, like now maybe they'll 
<laughs> just think that women can do it as well because they can. By the way, we are backstage, and what you're hearing in the background is a little bit of house music. Mm-hmm. By house music, I mean the music the Imperial plays before they start a show. I think it's the XX. <laughs> I think it's it's um, my my sound engineer tests the room with this music. I think not that that is in any way interesting, but my sound engineer is also a woman, so there you go. Along those lines, I've read that your first Pitchfork review was focused entirely on your guys' stage outfits, and this traumatized you guys so much that you threw out your onstage gear. Yeah, that was really traumatizing. Um, it was like our first show at South by Southwest as like a domino band, so we were playing like the domino showcase, you know, and all the like journalists. For those who don't know, Domino Records is a very prominent international record label. Yeah, so we were like being introduced as like the new band on Domino. Um, and we played a great show, and, like, we definitely killed it. But, yeah, but we just got, like, dissed for what we were wearing. And I read, like, all the bands that they reviewed that day, and nobody else got commented. Like, no one, nobody else had comments about their clothes. So it just felt, like, really kind of shitty. And it was also, like, reviewed by a woman as well, which was extra shitty. So that was just disappointing to, like, come up and, like, feeling strong and feeling, like, you know, really excited about what's going on and excited that, like, you know, we were on this cool label and everything. And then to just kind of be, like, torn down because of our outfits. It was, like, really kind of sad. Yeah, it's definitely less than ideal. So you're a veteran stage performer at this point. You've toured forever. What's your relationship with your onstage persona tonight? I mean, I definitely feel way more comfortable on stage now than I did then, for sure. Um... But outfits are kind of always a weird thing. <laughs> like sometimes, there's, I definitely have like some hits and some misses. Um, mostly just because you get really tired of wearing the same thing. So I look a couple like great outfits that I tour with, and once in a while, you know, I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna change it up tonight. I'm gonna wear this different thing, and then I see pictures later, and I'm like, ugh, like I maybe shouldn't have worn that thing. But like, in, in general, I mean, we have a lot of fun with what we wear, and I think it's more of like the composition between the four of us rather than focusing on like just my dress or whatever i think that it's time to play another track by austra an older cut by the band i'm gonna play feel it break which is the title track off your first record i would love you to say a sentence about this song before we hear it it's actually called beat in the pulse a lot of people think it's called feel it break but it's not the core the line in the chorus says feel it break but the song is actually called beat in the pulse so <laughs> thank you for correcting me i was watching it on youtube today and the title was feel it break There you go. See, a lot of people mess it up. (laughs) Including me. Here's the track.
Welcome back to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track, The Beat and the Pulse, by a band called Austra. This is off their first record, Feel It Break. I would love you to tell me what it's like to look back on that song, your first hit, today. Well, I mean, we still play Beat and the Pulse, and it's still, like, one of the peak moments of our live show. Um, I think, like, the last two records that I've made have been a lot more chilled out than the first record was so really like the first record is still kind of holds most of the bangers of our set right now um so yeah i mean beating the pulse was written i don't even know how many years ago now like seven years ago now or something like that but it's still probably like our favorite song to play live vancouver is the second last stop on this tour what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most after this is all done um well after we play victoria which is tomorrow then i fly directly to Europe for our next European tour um, and I'm excited about that because we're going to a lot of places that I've never played before so that'll be like Lisbon I've never been there and like Krakow Poland never been there so I'm excited about that I've heard so many people talk about Lisbon lately it seems to be kind of a city that um, a lot of sort of artists are gravitating to right now and so I've heard that there's it's a really kind of fun creative city to visit you're about to leave me, go eat dinner, and then perform your show. I would love you to tell the audience out there what's one unique thing you're going to get from attending an Ouster show that you wouldn't get at your typical indie concert. Well, I mean, a lot of things, to be honest. If you're talking about a typical indie concert, I mean, first of all, I have, like, a giant, massive woman voice, which already puts me in, like, you know, maybe a 15 percentile, maybe 10 percent category. Um, we're, like... 50% gay band and the, our show is very queer I would say visually um, so that puts us in like maybe the 5% um, and just aside from that like I mean we've I feel like when I first started making music I was like already rejecting what the idea of indie music is at the time now I feel like electronic music does also qualify as indie but at the time like it felt it felt like very very much the opposite of what we were doing I just want to go on the record as saying, I said one thing because I'm trying to help you out and get to your sushi dinner. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. The track I'm going to play to end the show is going to be Future Politics off your third record, Future Politics. I'd love you to tell me about this track before we hear it. Yeah, this track was another one. It sounds like I do this all the time, but I never do. It was another one that was written really quickly. And I wrote it directly in response to reading this thing called the Accelerationist Manifesto, which is basically a bunch of guys who think that technology actually has the power to free us from the constraints of capitalism if it is in control of the people and not in the control of the rich oligarchs of the world. I like that idea. Thank you very much for being on my show. Thank you so much for having me. Maybe I'm alone.
I'm in a band called Austra, and you are listening to the interview show with Scott Wood.